On this episode of the Resetter Podcast, I bring you Dr. Lat Mansour. Now, a couple things to know about Dr. Lat and the conversation you're about to hear. For starters, we're going to dive deep into the concept of a ketone. So Dr. Lat holds a PhD in physiology, anatomy, and genetics from the University of Oxford. So he is brilliant. And he has really mastered the use of ketones when it comes to performance. So I loved this conversation on so many levels because A, it gave me some new insight into how we might look at ketones and and its effect on all aspects of our life, not just our health. But B, what Dr. Latt brings to us is what we call an exogenous ketone. And an exogenous ketone means that you actually are not producing it on the inside of your body, you're actually taking it from an outside source. Now, in full transparency, I want you to know that I have typically been against exogenous ketones. But Dr. Latt, he has changed my opinion based off the science that he is bringing us. So if you've been one of those people who have messaged me, have wondered about exogenous ketones, where they fit in, this is the conversation for you. There were a couple of my big takeaways on this, one of which is how we can use exogenous ketones in the fed state. So this isn't in the fasted state. How do we eat a meal and then use an exogenous ketone to help stabilize blood sugar? That blew my mind. I also loved how he looks at ketones for recovery from exercise. And then, as I said, how can we lean into these exogenous ketones for just overall performance in our day-to-day activities? So Dr. Latt completely changed my opinion of exogenous ketones, and you're about to hear why. Plus, for all you science nerds that want to know the research, Dr. Latt will bring it to you. So enjoy. This is definitely a conversation that was needed, and I'm so excited that I got to have this with Dr. Latt because not only, as you will see, he's incredibly brilliant, but he also has a huge heart. He's on a mission like so many of us, and he is reinventing the way we all look at exogenous ketones. So... With that, I will tell you, enjoy. This is an incredible episode. Hey, Dr. Mindy here, and welcome to season four of the Resetter Podcast. Please know that this podcast is all about empowering you to believe in yourself again. If you have a passion for learning, if you're looking to be in control of your health and take your power back, this is the podcast for you. Enjoy. Hey, Resetters, as we step into the new year, I am so thrilled to invite you on an extremely transformative journey with me in my Reset Academy. So check this out. If you're ready to kickstart your fasting and health journey, which I know so many of you have reached out to us and asked how you customize a fasting lifestyle for you, My Reset Academy is the absolute best place to be. 
So here's what you get in the academy, and I like to think of it in terms of a complete picture. So imagine being surrounded by people who understand your journey, who are passionate for fasting, who want to lift you up and will support you every step of the way. My academy is not just me, my team, but it is an incredible group of people that are all dedicated to building fasting lifestyles and supporting each other in it. This is why I created the Reset Academy. So when you join, you gain access to all the exclusive calls where my team and I share the latest insights, we answer your burning questions, and we guide you towards your health goals. That's not it. We didn't stop there. By becoming a member, you're not just investing in a membership, but you're investing in yourself. I am such a fan of setting you up to win this year. And my academy is the best place I know to do that. I want to keep you focused. I want you to customize this for you. And I want you to succeed at your health goals this year. End of story. So if you're ready to unlock your fullest potential and embrace a fasting lifestyle, join me. If it feels good, join me. And let's make this year an incredible year for us all. So all you got to do is go visit drmindypels.com slash Reset Academy to become a member. I can't wait to welcome you. I can't wait to see you on the Zoom calls. I can't wait to be in community with you. And most importantly, let's get your health goals handled and let's do this together. It's so much better together. Together. So that's drmindypels.com slash Reset Academy. Excited to see you there. Okay, Lat. You're my first in-person guest of the Resetter podcast. After like hundreds of episodes, you're the first. Thank you so much. It has been such an honor. I interviewed you a while ago on HVMM podcast, and now we're making this happen in person and to be the first. And I didn't even know, by the way, I didn't even know that I was the first one until today that I came in. So thank you'll you always, so much. Yeah, you'll always be the first. I will always be. <laughs> I claimed it. You heard here first. Um, I will be the first. Yeah, it's it's really exciting because I can tell you that um, connecting with people is like a massive value for me. And Zoom just doesn't do it. Yeah. And, and I like to be able, you and I have spoken on Zoom before, but yeah. to be in your presence, to feel your vibe, to have this conversation we're about to have is like, this is my jam. I'm having goosebumps because I, I know how energetic you are when mm. you talk. And I think part of your success is also due to that energy mm. and how passionate you are. It comes across. And I remember meeting you last year, um, July in KetoCon. Yeah. That was the first time because it was through Ben Azadi yep. and oh, through right. Cynthia Thurlow. Yeah. And Ben was like, have you met, met um, Dr. Mindy Peltz? And that was when I was like, oh my God, I, I look up to these people because that only last October that I started podcasting. So That's I'm crazy. still You're really very good at I'm it. I'm really, thank you. Yeah, you and I had like a really geek out conversation. I know, we that, did. Uh, I, I, all the science knowledge helped yes. a lot. Like my background really helped me interviewing, you know, clinicians, doctors and all that, like experts like yourself. And, you know, but the fact that you, Ben and, and Cynthia Thurlow, like the, the trio um, that always give talks everywhere and, and do your own podcast, that really inspired me mm. to really do well by mm. by my podcast, by yeah. HVMM podcast, but also do well by the audience because yeah. it's ultimately what the audience want to hear and want to learn because yeah. there are people, there are always going to be people out there who are so curious and really want to learn 
about metabolic health right. and learn about their bodies better. Yeah, and uh, you know, to that point, one thing that's really emerging for me in in the world that I've been in with launching Fast Like a Girl into the into the world is that we need conversations around the information. When we look at health, one of the challenges we have is we go black or white. Yeah. You know, a ketone is good or it's not good. Yeah. You know, it's very like you want your numbers to be this or you don't want it to be that. And it, the human body doesn't work like that. No, it doesn't. <laughs> metabolism, I tell people all the time, metabolism is not a straight line. No. It is a flux. It's always ongoing and you need to keep it in the Goldilocks zone. It's yeah. the optimal level yeah. of pH, optimal level of temperature, optimal level of amount of hormones that you're going to be in, amount of enzymes and you're going to be in. Just because something is good doesn't mean that more is better. Exactly. And so to that point, I feel like one of the challenges we have in the biohacking world is we understand something new about our body. And this could be something as simple as like we just discovered our hormones, mm -hmm. like testosterone. All of a sudden we're like, I need as much of it as I possibly can get. Yes, exactly. Like, no, no, you want to always be bringing these things into balance. And that's where the body really shines. Mm -hmm. So with that in mind, where I want to start this conversation is what is a ketone? Because there's so many people chasing ketones that don't even know what it is. So ketone is the brain's super fuel. Okay, why do I say it's a fuel? It's the same as every other form of fuel. You know, in the in the human body, we know the fuels are carbohydrates, yep. fats, protein to, to, to a certain extent. Of course, our body will always try to preserve protein till the last bit. So mostly we'll be using glucose or fats. Right. Ketone works the same way. So ketones are broken down from fat, getting converted from fat in the liver and and enter the Krebs cycle the same way glucose and fatty acids would and provide ATP, which is the energy currency for the cell. Right. Then a lot of people ask, why do we have so many different forms of fuels? It's because- A, a good question. Yeah, it's a good question because different situations would require different form of fuels. So when we use glucose, it's when we need fast fuel because glycolysis, the first part mm. of glucose metabolism- you don't need oxygen to create that. So when you do intense exercise, when you go on anaerobic exercise, you will burn glucose first. For fats, fats account for 20 to 40,000 calories of storage in our body versus mm. 2,000 worth, 2000 calories worth of storage of glucose. So fats contain way more energy, but it's harder to burn. So when you go on endurance race, when you go on mm. cardio zone two, that's when you tap into your fat storage. Mm. Now, I know you talk a lot about this on, on your on your podcast. When you are on a carb-restricted diet, i.e. like keto diet, or mm -hmm. when you're fasting, your body goes really low on carb storage mm. uh, and, and blood glucose. Mm. But your brain needs glucose to function primarily. Right. But when you're low on glucose, what happens then? Like your brain can't stop working, right? right? So that's when your body says... Okay, I'm going to convert fat into ketones. Why can't fat just go up to the brain and get metabolized for energy? Because fats can't bypass the blood-brain barrier. So it needs ah. to be converted into a smaller size molecule because fat has, you know, 18 to 20 um, carbons, sort of long chain molecule. So it can't get passed because of the size of the molecule. So it needs to be converted to ketones. So it needs like a surrogate. 
like a surrogate. That's and, what and I just smaller, heard. A smaller size uh, molecule to get into your, your brain to be metabolized for energy. But then over the years, we have seen research that shown that when ketones are present, the brain would preferentially take up ketones mm. for energy. And in fact, I interviewed Dr. Tommy Wood, this um, you know, brain health uh, expert from, from Seattle. He said when you know, people go through brain injury or, or uh, an infant trying to develop their brain, mm. they actually use ketone preferentially. Mm. So this okay. is super interesting because they are using ketones to... Um, resynthesized fatty acids that is used to repair the structural damage caused by the brain injury. Okay, okay, hold that thought for it because you just gave me a whole nother elevated thought. Okay. So if we are not putting ourselves in, I'm just going to say a fasted state because mm-hmm. that's the door in I've always looked at yep. for ketones. I think it's the best door in yep. to, for ketones. If we're not, if we're eating fat, but we're not putting ourselves in a fasted state in order to signal to the body what to do with ketones, then is that fat more stored as fat? Do you see where I'm going with this? Like there's a, there's an environment inside the body that needs to happen in order for that to signal, hey, we need ketones, let's make ketones, let's use ketones. Yeah. And if I'm like go on the ketogenic diet yeah. and I bring carbohydrates down, I'm yeah. like, oh, they told me to eat a bunch of fat. Yeah. I eat a bunch of fat, but I haven't p- created the right environment in my body. Will that fat not turn into a ketone? Will it more likely turn into a fat molecule so around my waist? That I would say no, it wouldn't, unless you are having such an excess amount of calories that it forces mm. your body to go into storage mode versus burning mode. Because if you are having a maintenance amount of calories, for example, okay. just the right amount of calorie for you to just function... Right. and maintain your weight, then inevitably you will be turning that fat into ketones. Because either way, your brain will need that energy. And where is it going to get the energy from? Not glucose because you don't have any. Right. So it's going to to really pull from the fat conversion into ketones. Okay. And then another interesting fact is that liver converts ketones into BHB, which is the, the uh, sorry, liver converts fat into ketones, which is BHB, Beta-hydroxybutyrate, the main form of ketone that our body uses. Okay. Uh, there are three forms, beta-hydroxybutyrate, acetoacetate, and acetone. Okay. But the main form that is getting circulated around and get metabolized for energy is beta-hydroxybutyrate. And that's also why whenever you talk about blood ketone levels, when we test it, it's usually BHB level. Yeah. The interesting fact is that even though the liver is the conversion organ that converts, converts um, fats into ketones, it does not metabolize ketone as well. It does not have that sort of um, as much enzyme. The liver doesn't. The meta- liver doesn't. So who so else it, metabolizes so it? So the heart, the brain, muscles. Yeah. Um, we have seen in heart failure studies that the heart, the failing heart, actually prefers ketones, probably because it's more efficient being used as a fuel per molecule of oxygen use. So there are different parts of our body that prefer ketones over glucose. Yes. Is it like the brain is 50-50, right? The brain brain primarily uses glucose when you have glucose present. Okay. But then when ketones are present, even when glucose is present, it takes up the ketone independent of glucose uptake. So it doesn't even affect the other... Um, substrates uptake. Right. So, which means, you know, that the brain really wants it and you just 
basically providing extra energy for the brain to work. So, so I, I always go back to the, our primal ancestors mm-hmm. and how do they do this? And that actually makes perfect sense that the cardiovascular system would require it because the longer you go without food, the more focused you have to become to find food. Correct. So that's why the brain gobbles them up. But you're also probably running and chasing and going after hunting food, which is why it would go to the cardiovascular system. Yep. So you have two two points there. One is the cognitive benefit and the other is the energy benefit when it comes to performance. And we can talk about that with regards to exogenous ketones. But most importantly, one study by uh, Mujica Parodi uh, two years ago, they published a paper that showed keto diet and exogenous ketones and then placebo, three groups, okay. right? Keto diet for a week, Exogenous ketones, one dose, and then placebo. And then they measured functional MRI. They looked at the interaction of the brain regions, and they call it brain network stability. Mm. And this stability decreases as we age, and that's when you increase the risk of developing neurodegenerative diseases. Okay. So what they have seen is that both keto diet for a week and one dose of exogenous ketones, they both increase the brain network stability. That's crazy. Is, it, is there a, a part of the brain that it, it, did it, it activate? It, they the just showed brain? the increased interaction between the brain regions. So okay. the activity, the brain activity increased. Okay. So to your point, you know, you are increasing your cognitive abilities, your cognitive sort of focus, okay. but also because it goes into your Krebs cycle and produce energy, ATP, especially when you need the cardiovascular fitness yeah. and cardiovascular um, performance, you have it. Okay, so now now I'm going to go down this path with yeah. you. This is like, oh my God, this would be like what I do on a Friday night is having a conversation like this. <laughs> it's very exciting to I me. know. So is it the mitochondria? If we look at, we have the most amount of mitochondria it, you know, in our brain, our heart, um, our eyes, and our ovaries. Actually, our, in the female body, the eggs that live in our ovaries have the most amount of mitochondria compared to any other cell in our body. So my brain is thinking, okay, well, if they're the most dense amount of mitochondria there, they need the most amount of ketones. Yep, most amount of energy needed. That would make sense from our primal friends because our primal friends need to stay alive and the women need to stay alive and reproduce so that we all could be sitting here today. So do we have any information on what ketones would do for the eyes or for the ovaries? That would be an interesting study. I've, ne- I've never seen any studies specifically looking at that. But now that you mention the theory of it, um, I mean, theoretically, it would work. It would need a lot of um, mitochondria. It will need a lot of fuel to fuel those mitochondria. Right. And right. therefore, the hypothesis would be like, if I'm providing ketones to the body then I should be able to see the uptake of ketones in the eyes and ovaries at an exponential level. However, I think the feasibility of running those studies, I mean, because the heart, they've done it in, in, in animals where they measure the blood going in, arterial blood versus venous blood, blood going out. And then that's how they measure the amount of uptake of different substrates. Right. How would you do that with the eyes? I guess you can... You can oh, measure, yeah. yeah. You can't be like putting dye. Right. Although my my uh, um my ophthalmologist, you know, dilates and puts stuff in right. my eyes, so maybe you could maybe do it the you same can do way. That. Yeah. But I'm even thinking for well, I'm thinking two things. One um, is you know, my, as I went through my 40s, there there's a moment that your eyesight goes and you can't read up close. 
But the more I've been practicing a fasting lifestyle, the more ketones that I put into my body, I'm just seeing subtle shifts. And one of them has been in my eyesight. Like I'm not needing my reading glasses as much. And so the other day I was wondering, I was like, what am I doing in my life that is allowing that to happen? So I, it would be really interesting to see how it how it works with with as far as eyesight goes, but the bigger elephant in the ketone room would be fertility, especially women that are do we and and especially if we did I mean I know we're going to talk about like Alzheimer's and dementia but it, do we have any way to measure if putting someone in a ketogenic state or using exogenous ketones? over a certain period of time helped with fertility. That's that's super interesting. I don't know, per se. Um, and I don't know, because I know for a fact that for keto diet, sort of ketogenic diet studies, female bodies react differently, yes. slightly different compared to, yes. to male bodies. And I think there is a paper that published the effect of keto diet on basal metabolic rate. Basically, the postmenopausal women would be similar to males, yeah. but the premenopausal women behaves completely differently. Right. I just had another thought. Sorry. Yeah, there I, you just, go. There I have you go. to get this out before because you literally, I've studied this stuff and now this is why I love talking to you. Like my whole brain's <laughs> going a new. Okay. So when we look at the women's menstrual cycle, when we look at day one all the way through ovulation, which is the follicular phase, first 15 days, what's happening is estrogen is coming in in order to release an egg. And estrogen needs glucose to be low and thrives when ketones are high. And I'm wondering if that's because that's what the eggs need. They because they have so many mitochondria. And they're 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 also actively dividing and, and yeah. really produce yeah. Whereas the back half, you're like the egg's already released. So it doesn't need that, which is why all of a sudden progesterone wants glucose to be high. So you actually don't want ketones at the back half of your cycle. Mm. But it may all be based off of the egg. This is this is how we, we run a study together. This is, I, yes, this you is know the, how to run a study. This is the conception of our our collaboration to run a study. Yeah, because then we could look at something like your you know exogenous ketones, and we could say, okay, how do we use that in an effective way to facilitate a better menstrual cycle and potentially better ovulation for a woman, and. I mean, I have always thought of as exogenous really helpful. I can see it for Alzheimer's and dementia. But now you got me really thinking that this this could be a really powerful tool for fertility. And you also have me thinking, and I don't know if you all have thought of this, is that when we're looking at an exogenous ketone, it's probably best done in the front half of the cycle. Mm -hmm. And then the week before a woman's period, she would probably not use, she would cycle off of the exogenous ketone. Right, right, right. And that way you can have that predictable um, level of ketones in your body, right? Because when you use exogenous ketone, it's transient enough, and the effects is the the effect is acute enough for you to control when you need it to be on, when you need it to be off. Versus when you're on a ketogenic diet, you have that adaptation period, and then even when you cycle off, you'll have that adaptation period as well, right? So yeah. that gives you the flexibility to really switch on and off whenever you want to be in ketosis. So one of the things that I that I did when I developed the fasting cycle in Fast Like a Girl is I tested it on a bunch of my uh, team members that were struggling to get pregnant. Okay. And then like immediate, I, I was like, let's try this cycle where we're going to go high carb, low carb, um, and we're going to do ketones in and out of ketosis over your menstrual cycle. And let's see what happens. I have a theory here. Okay. I'm like, I think it'll take us about 90 days to understand if this worked or not. 
Within 30 days, both of them got pregnant. And after, after trying to get pregnant for years, like these women were So struggling. what was your theory then? When you, when you ran that and you saw that result, what was your theory then? The, the theory was that estrogen wants glucose down and ketones up. Okay. And so when a woman is on day seven of her cycle eating pizza and ice cream, she's actually making herself more infertile. Right. And she doesn't really realize it. And then the back half, the opposite happens. Uh-huh. And so you want glucose up and ketones down. And I hadn't thought of it in terms of the mitochondria. So now and we're eggs. going back into the basic science yeah. and mechanism, me- mechanism of action. And that could be why. Yeah. So so that, so then I was like, after I saw these two women get pregnant, I was like, oh, my God. Okay, let me try it on my patients. So I tried it on my patients. Same thing. Everybody like 30 to 60 days. Most of them 30. So then I went to my YouTube world. And I'm like, let's try this. This was the birth of Fast Like a Girl. People were writing in. And do you know right now on Amazon, my reviews on the book, I love reading the ones that say, yep, I got pregnant in 30 days. But what do we do with your product? What do we do with exogenous ketones to facilitate that? Well, I mean, like like I said, you know, if you are going high and low, um, you know, manipulating glucose and, and ketone intake, you can use this to really boost the ketone levels on a transient level. Right. Because what happens when you drink keto, uh, exogenous ketone, like ketone IQ, for example, is that your blood ketone levels will go up to, you know, 1 to 2.5 millimolar over 3 to 4 hours. Okay. And it will stay above 1 hour. If you're sedentary, if you're not working out, it will stay above 1 millimolar after 6 hours. And it will, st- it will start dropping down to baseline. Okay. And then after that, either you have to top up or you just let it, you know, just flat out on, on, on baseline. That way you can measure, you can even, like you can really solidify your theory about the ketones right. and, and glucose. And you can really pinpoint what exactly needs what to number, be done. What number, yeah. But I'm wondering if it's the health of the mitochondria and the egg. Mm-hmm. So if you have an eggs that aren't viable, you mm-hmm. let the root of that, you have mitochondria that are mitochondria weak. Mitochondria dysfunction. Yeah. yeah. So And then every woman who's struggling with infertility is going to have a little bit of a different dysfunction. So yeah. where I might need on day 10 to take in one bottle, another woman might need like three. So we, I think that's where the N of one comes in, where the, you're going to have to figure out what that pattern is. And that's when it comes to sort of personalized medicine. And that's why I love talking to people like you. Right. Because it's, you have the, ex, the, the direct contact with people and you touch people's lives directly. Whereas I'm coming from a basic scientist point of right. view. And, and for you guys who don't know, basic scientist means like scientists who always... Um, try to investigate the mechanism of action. We look at molecular biology. We look at animal models and really figure out what is actually happening inside right. mitochondria. What is actually happening with this particular molecule? Whereas clinical scientists are scientists who run clinical trials and look at effects on humans. Yeah. So when we put one and one together, this world yeah. just, you know, we can start explaining the science behind yeah. this. It's so funny you say that because this has been my new cry to my to people who are listening is like science gets us in the ballpark. Mm-hmm. Now we have to figure out what seat we want to sit at. And it's we have to take that and we have to apply it to ourselves. But I fear that one of the things that we've done with science is we've held it up as the gold standard. 
And it's like, no, it's it's just opening our minds. And to your point, we need each other in this conversation. As the people listening, we need them as well to give us feedback so that we have some kind of understanding of how humans apply this. Yeah, so. because one is proof of concept and yeah. the other is translate the translation yeah. and application into humans' life specifically. That's and as we well know, said. metabolism is a beast yeah. when it comes to how to pinpoint and how to really fix, especially when you come up with um, dysfunctional metabolism and there is level of severity and you don't yeah. know where that level is and then you need to get into the optimal level. Do you overshoot it? And when you overshoot it, it becomes another form of dysfunction. Right. It's just a very difficult beast to tackle. Yeah. Agreed. So, okay, let's go to the brain mm-hmm. because uh, now that we've geeked out on the ovaries um, and, and you know, the sperm, I, I don't know the mitochondrial um, makeup of sperm or testes. That would be interesting to know, too, because this, you know, even though men don't have a cycle, um, you know, a monthly cycle, you guys have a daily cycle. Right. So, I would assume um, it will have high mitochondrial activity just because they're constantly being, you know, the DNA materials are being replicated and producing sperms. Yeah. And therefore, that activity would sort of be increased compared to the rest of your body, which is just, you know, as demand sort of, sort right. of function, right? Well, and the sperm need to be strong. Yeah. Strong swimmers, right? right? right. So there's got to be some mitochondria in there because that's the battery of everything of mm-hmm. human life. Oh, yeah. So. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So take me up to the brain. When we say that the brain gobbles up my ketones, mm-hmm. do we know what part of the brain's gobbling the most? That I'm not entirely sure. Um, I do feel, I, I do know that ketones does increase BDNF, so okay. brain-derived neurotropic factor, and exercise also increased BDNF, yeah. right? And BDNF has direct effect on hypo, uh, hippocampus. Ah, okay. Hippocampus is also responsible for learning and yep. memory. Yeah. So we and know mood. and yeah, and yeah. mood. And I so I know that that region is very sensitive to ketone being available. Yes. And and, and that makes sense because in our six million dollar contract with the DOD, we are currently looking at an exogenous ketones in cognitive and physical performance in hypoxia. And in the study, we're wrapping up now. So we've got a lot of data already um, that's going to be published. But we have seen when in hypoxia, in, in low oxygen levels, ketones actually increase uh, memory recall as well as accuracy and, and reaction time. Because normally when you're in low oxygen level, your cognitive function decrease because your brain is saying, hey, I've got less oxygen and therefore let's lower the, the activity and therefore okay. that goes with the function. But we've seen the increase in, in memory recall as well as you know reaction time and all of that. And with all these cognitive studies, it just comes to show that hippocampus, you know, when it's when it comes to like memory and learning and mood yeah. and all of that, as well as mood. Like I've, I recently gave a, a lecture at University of Malaya as a fellow uh, last month and I brought ketone IQ shots and gave it to the students. One of them actually said they, they, they had struggled with anxiety for a long time. Mm. But ever since he took the shot, 10 minutes after uh, they took the shot, they stopped fiddling with their limbs. Yeah. And they said, it actually works. 
Well, that's because ketones, I don't know if you know that when ketones go up, GABA goes up. Yes. Yes, so, it was on the GABA pathway. Uh, yeah. It's that, an enzolytic. Yeah, because I've told people that all the time. Like, just sit there. When, you, if, uh, when you're in a fasted state, just tell yourself ketones are coming, ketones are coming. Yeah. And once they come, you'll go from this, like, I got to eat. Yeah, yeah, to, huh, I strangely feel calm right and now. And this is the area I love to explain. I would love to hear your take on this. So I've teamed up with Tony Horton. Do you know Tony Horton? He was the creator of P90X, one of the most revolutionary at-home fitness programs. And we created together a new fitness program called Power Sync 60. And it is literally, this program's never been done. It is a revolutionary 60-day program for both men and women. So here's why I want you to join us is that we literally created PowerSync 60 with you in mind. So it doesn't matter if you're a cycling woman, a postmenopausal woman, or a man. One of the things I brought to Tony was that when we work out, we have to think about our hormones. And he had never done that in the millions of workouts that he's created in his lifetime. We also included a free bonus meal plan and a customized tailor way you can eat right for yourself. Also, of course, we put some fasting in there and it was a beautiful meeting of the minds. So I, it, this is like a passion project that I'm so excited to share with you. And in order to get it, all you got to do is visit drmindy.org and use the code PS60PELS. So PS60 and then my last name, PELS, P-E-L-Z, to get 20% off. And you get lifetime access to the program. So that's drmindy.org, and you use the code PS60PELS to join all of us. I'm actually doing this myself right now. So come join me, my community, on this incredible journey. I am so proud to bring this to you. So ketones gets you into that relaxed state and calm state, right? But ketones also give you energy. Yeah. How do you explain that? I'll give you my take yeah. after, after uh, you give uh, yours. I'll explain it by you have to, ketones were meant for your survival. You had to go hunt. And so you can't be all frazzled like, oh my God, I'm running out of food, I'm hungry. Ketones are like, boom. They're like, they put you in your body, they give you focus so you can go and hunt, so you can eat, so you can stay alive. That's how they were developed in our body. And so that they had to bring GABA up. They had to bring dopamine up because dopamine's that motivation molecule is like, let's go get that food. That's all, to me, that's what we're all searching for. And once we click in that ketone, we're actually in a hunter state. So you have to be calm, collected, yep. Focus, laser focus, yep. and at the same time being able to really sprint out and, and use that physical uh, prowess that you have right. in order to get that food. And the way I explain it is, especially when it comes to exogenous ketones, is that you need to stop thinking about it like a stimulant. It's not a caffeine. No, it's not, not a stimulant. So it's not actually giving you the extra boost by blocking adenosine uh, receptor right. and make you feel less fatigued but right. still not give you energy. That's stimulant, right? right? It increases heart rate, it increases blood pressure, but it doesn't directly give you energy. You still need to pull the energy from somewhere. Yeah. Ketones directly gives you energy, but also gives you the signaling effect of the calming, the anxiolytic effect right. uh, via signaling. And therefore, you don't need to be in that jittery, like frazzle sort of moment, yeah. like you right. said. Um, and, and that's why you can use in both 
physically demanding situation, yeah. but also in, in a way to, to calm yourself down, especially if you have anxiety. And I think a lot of people now starting to realize one good use of, of exogenous ketones is when they want to go for exams, yes. interviews, podcasts, because they're calm, yep. but their brain is switched on. So they can actually, you know, think yeah. better and really have the memory recall dialed in. Yeah. But at the same time, they're not having this nervous energy that is stopping them from thinking clearly. The, the first time I learned about fasting and a ketone, um, I was experimenting it on myself. And I was trying, I, I used to give these big presentations to my patient base. And we would do a big one to hundreds of people every January to kind of set the, the year off. And so I wanted to bring fasting to them. We had just learned about Dr. Osumi's work. Walter Longo had come out with his three-day water fast. So That's I, a very interesting point. We're going to get into yeah. that one as so, well. So I was like, they're going to think I'm crazy because I've been talking about nutrition and detox. And now I'm going to tell them that actually all the supplements, all the food things I've told you pale in comparison to what I'm about to tell you. So I went on a five-day water fast. Mm -hmm. And on the fifth day, I gave the presentation. So I hadn't eaten in five days. And I did it on purpose so that I could show the, my audience, my patient base, this is what it looks like to be on ketones. And so I give the whole lecture. It was a two-hour lecture. And about 90 minutes in, I just said, and I know you probably think I'm crazy. And I want you to know, like, do I look tired right now? And they're all, like, looking at me kind of funny. And Are you sure you fasted for five days? Yeah. And then I just, well, I did. Yeah. And I just said to them, I was like, I haven't eaten in five days. Yeah. And, and everybody was was convinced at that point. And it, it was because I had ketones in me. To, so to give a speech, to stay calm, I wasn't hungry. It, 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 it was a performance moment. Yeah. And I think we lose sight of that because everybody comes to ketones thinking, oh, I want to lose weight. Yeah. But I always say, come, come in to lose weight. And then I'm going to ask you to stay for all the other benefits. Right, exactly. The way I describe what is the use. I remember when we launched it early last year, we had a whole list of use cases and benefits of ketones, right? Yeah. You get the cognitive benefit, you get the performance, you get the uh, recovery, and then you get the metabolic health. But then after all of that, it sounds like a snake oil, it right? Sounds so, it it no, sounds too it, good to be true. It, it, so right now, it's, it's my favorite way of describing what's the best use case and what's the best benefit of ketone is that it will benefit you in any activity that you use your brain for. Yeah. So you either you're using it for intellectual, cognitive performance side of things, yeah. or if you're using physical side of things. Because even when you're doing physically demanding tasks, you still need your brain. People on long rides, on, on long runs, they still need that focus. Right. People on trail runs, they need their sort of um, alertness and focus of their surrounding, their balance and everything. People who are doing anaerobic exercise, they yeah. still need to be in the zone to get the form right, to think yeah. of all everything, you know, the weights and all of that. Well, so you're in your primal state. You're in your primal state. So, okay, now I'm going to really geek out on a part of the brain that yes. I have been currently this week writing a whole chapter for my new book on. Already? And you're on a roll, Mindy. Yeah. Like you are always on, on it. You're always on it. Well, I, well I, I love to solve problems that that our culture isn't solving. And one of the biggest problems that we see right now with, with women going through menopause is that there's this massive brain change. And one of the pieces of the brain is a receptor site known as 5H2A, which is a serotonin receptor site. 
And estradiol goes into that and activates serotonin, which helps with keeping us joyful. When estradiol goes away, we have this empty receptor site. So I've been looking at what else do we have that can go into this receptor site. Well, one study that I came across was that something as little as eight hours of fasting will activate the serotonin 5H2A receptor site. And now in the in Regardless of what diet they are. Regardless of what diet, eight hours seems so it's minimal. Sleep, it's, yeah. You just sleep overnight. Yeah, and it's in the hippocampus that it, because we have 5H2A receptors all over our brain, but it's in the hippocampus that it activates, which is why they actually think fasting, is a, it can act as an antidepressant. But I'm thinking it's because the ketone goes into that receptor site. So do you know any studies on that well, receptor site and ketone? And- I, haven't, I haven't seen any, anything specific to that receptor site. Um, and, I, I'm, I'm, and I know in terms of receptors, things are very specific, right? Mm-hmm. It's very unlikely that a foreign molecule will bind to that receptor site. But then again, a lot of studies also shown that ketones have direct effect on DNA as a signaling molecule. They call it beta-hydroxybutyrylation because yeah. we know methylation of a DNA and it causes, you know, difference in gene expression. Right. So they found out that beta-hydroxybutyrylation is a thing now. It's, it's a mouthful. Yeah, um, it is a mouthful. <laughs> you can just say BHB. BHB <laughs> relation. Uh, yeah. So, I like to shorten so things it does anyway. Have, it does have effect by binding on sites that we didn't know that they bind. So I think... The area is still very new. And yeah. I, I spoke to my, my supervisor back in my PhD days in Oxford um, a couple of months ago. And she's still in the research area. And she's like, the next big thing now is metabolites as signaling molecules. Mm. Because we need to stop looking at all these metabolites just as energy fuels. Ooh. We are looking at it as signaling molecules. Like how glucose does not only provide you with energy, but it's going down this cascade of pathway that's, you know, working in tandem with insulin, glucagon, mm. GLP in, in, in a different sort of setting and, and cause a whole different um, phenomenon of right. inside your body. Okay. So, yeah. Oh, my God. I could talk to you forever. Um, so th- this is, leads me to the next question, which is, is there an environment in which an exogenous ketone is welcome? in our body? And is there an environment when it's not welcome? Like when I first heard about taking an exogenous ketone, honestly, my first thought was, well, that's cheating. And I'm like a hardworking. There's so many people who say that. There's so many people who say, why would I take exogenous ketones when I'm burning my own fat and turning it into ketones? And that's an easy question, right? If Let's say if you are going on a ketogenic diet to lose weight, right? The goal is for you to access your fat storage and turn it into ketones and also burn the fat directly right. as an, an energy uh, fuel, uh, sorry, and as, as an energy source. What are you eating mainly? Fats, right. right? Your own fat. Your own fat. They're calories, right? Yeah, I guess they are calories. Exogenous ketones, they are a source of calories, right? If you're on a ketogenic uh, diet to get into ketosis, you're going to get the source of calories anyway, why not have a portion of that be a direct form of ketone? Okay, so, but what if my blood sugar, if I just ate a meal, uh-huh. my blood sugar went up, so now I've got all this glucose for the body to use, and then I toss down some exogenous ketones. That's another use case. So studies 
A few papers have been published by Dr. Jonathan Little from University of British Columbia, Canada. Okay. When you take exogenous ketones across the board, they have seen lowering of blood glucose. Oh my god! This is acute, and you can you I, you know you can take my word for it because we've measured it ourselves. We've had people at KetoCon when I met you. Yeah, we've got people with continuous glucose oh. coming up to us. We gave them a shot. We're like, come back in an hour. And let's measure your glucose. Oh. And it, it dropped 40 to 50 points. It's like apple cider vinegar. It's like apple cider vinegar. Which everybody, by so, the way, just so you know, I do I do all these science-dense videos on YouTube and they, they do well. And then I do throw out apple cider vinegar and everybody goes crazy. Yeah, I had my CGM <laughs> a couple of days ago and um, I drink ketones before I go to bed. And then... It start asking the app asked me. It's like, what did you do? Your your glucose was seventy when you go to bed, um, I, because I drank ketones. But at the same time, you don't feel the hypoglycemic yeah. effect. No, you, I never thought to do so. It one you go hypothesis to bed. that the scientist that that Dr. Jonathan Little um sort of hypothesized is that when you take exogenous ketone, you are sending signal to the liver to lower gluconeogenesis. Gluconeogenesis is a process of making sugar. Okay. from other sources like glutamate from you know fats and proteins and all that that is especially true when you are on ketogenic diet or okay. when you're fasting because either way even when you're on low glucose you measure your blood glucose you'll still have a baseline you'll still have about four or five millimolar okay right where does that glucose come from you're not eating right sugar so it's, it's from gluconeogenesis i was just gonna say it's yeah so historic. gluconeogenesis also happens at all times even when you're eating sugar. Okay. So your body balances it, right? It balances it by saying, okay, these are the external sugar. I'm going to use it. But at the same time, it's it's a flux. It's a balance of you producing your own sugar. Same with fat. When you take in fat, it's, it does not just go into your muscles and get used, right? It gets right. repackaged. It gets redistributed into the body and, and churn it around, right? Right. So this is what they hypothesize. When you have exogenous ketones, you're lowering that glucose production in your liver and therefore it reduces the overall um, blood glucose level. Okay. But that also shows that your body perceives ketones as a energy source that you have plenty that ah. you don't need to produce the glucose anymore, okay. right? So that's, that's the main point here. Exogenous ketone and endogenous ketones, while it is a little bit different in nature because you're not producing yourself, Ultimately, the molecule is the same. So the, your body will still recognize it as ketones. BHB is BHB okay. is BHB. It's not a novel magic molecule that a pharmaceutical company whips up right. from a genetic modified organism. It is literally the same exact molecule that your body would produce. So a big challenge that a lot I see with a lot of fasters is that when they eat dinner... They, their glucose goes up, and then they go to bed, and somewhere around 2 to 3 in the morning, all of a sudden the blood sugar dipped so much that it causes this, I mean, it's the dawn effect, right? The, the liver secretes a bunch of glucose into the system in order to be able to, you know, regulate itself. Um, they wake up at 2 or 3 in the morning. They get it the next, you know, it, when they actually wake up and get out of bed in the morning, they look at their glucose and they're like, oh, my God, it's higher than it was before I went to bed. So if that theory you're talking about is right, could we use 
exogenous ketones before we go to bed to stop that two to three wake up that the liver does because now the liver has a sensor that Ah. tells it you don't need to. I can literally show you my glucose data right now. Like when I'm like asleep, like it it literally flattens out. That's so. Oh, so you don't even when you're sleeping, it doesn't even have like spikes up and down like we typically see. Have you tested it on like your aura ring? Um, I, I have, yes. Um, it hasn't shown an improvement. I mean, we tried doing it in a study as well to look at HRV and all that. Sleep mm-hmm. quality wise, we're still uh, a bit far from, from being able to test how effective it is. But in terms of blood glucose levels, yes, yes. So we we be- know that it, it flattens out when you sleep. And so there's two new places that I've never, ever thought to use ketones that you've really expanded. Well, I think I have more than two. But right now in this moment, I have two, which is before bed for sleep, which I just want to tell you for menopausal women, that would be a game changer. Because Mm. as we lose progesterone, we also don't go into as deep of a sleep. Um, And then after a meal. After a meal, yeah. To bring down glucose. Yeah. So then my brain goes too because I and, love... And then the interesting thing, the another way you can check is when you work out. Like halfway into the workout, into the end of the workout, you'll see your glucose go up a little bit because your body starts sending signals to say that, hey, you are doing something physically demanding, therefore creates more glucose, right? right. But when you have ketones as a pre-workout, you don't see that spike. Oh. Okay. But you have energy. Okay, so, but as a pre-workout, if I've got ketones in there, I'm not going to get as much release of sugar out of the muscles, and maybe I want to, like, show more definition, Mm -hmm. so I kind of want the release of muscle, of Mm -hmm. of glucose, so that it, it, like, breaks down fat. Do we have any research on, like, what it does as far as muscle, maintaining muscle, as far as, you know, leaning muscle out? So there is a study that looked at another form of exogenous ketone, acetoacetate diester. They looked at cachexia, so muscle loss due to cancer. Okay. And they've shown that ketones actually help retain muscle. And we know that from a recovery point of view, there is a study that looked at having ketones together with protein and carbs after a workout, and they looked at it from an in vitro point of view, looking at biopsies of muscles, they actually upregulate the leucine-mediated mTOR activation. And that is essential for protein synthesis, which is also essential for recovery. Wow. So if I'm going on a three-day water fast and I don't want to lose a lot of muscle, then take, taking some exogenous ketones is preserving that muscle. Correct. And a lot of people ask the question, will I bring my fast because it contains 70 calories? Right. And Cynthia Thurlow and myself, we talked about this on our podcast, is that when you are fasting, when you go in on water fast, what kickstart the ketone uh, ketogenesis, right? The ketone production. It's when you're low on sugar, mm-hmm. when you're low on um, insulin, mm-hmm. right? And you, you, you're starving yourself and therefore your body kickstarts the ketogenesis. When you have 70 calories of ketones, it doesn't increase your glucose level. It doesn't increase your insulin level. Mm. There is no reason to believe that you won't kickstart your ketogenesis. But also, this brings back to the conversation of Walter Longo's study. I was study. just going to say, Walter Longo's study, Walter taught uh, us some fast, things there. Fast mimicking diet, they are giving these participants 500 to 750 calories yeah. worth of food, and they can still mimic the effect of water fast. Yes. So yes. 70 calories is nothing. Yeah. 
You'd have to have 10 of those in a day. 10 of yeah. those. And, and also acutely what they have seen in animal models is that when you take exogenous ketones, you're upregulating all the transporters, enzymes, which are relevant to keto metabolism, which means when this is transient, after six hours, it goes back down to baseline. You are now tapping back into your own endogenous ketones. You have upregulation of all these different enzymes that's needed for keto metabolism. So you are primed and ready to burn more ketones from your own body. Oh my God. Now you have me thinking like, well, why would you fast without exogenous ketones? Like you, you, like it's next level. It's next level. Okay, so then where would we where would we use this for like Alzheimer's, dementia? I, I hope everybody listening knows how I'm going at this from menopause and women now, and I hope people take this seriously and try it with like fertility and things like that. But let's talk yeah, about. I would love to find out more about that because yeah. I, that's not my area of expertise, and I know a lot of our audience are also women who are interested in metabolic health, especially yeah. you know as we are aging, we know that all these different risks. Um, and all these different foods that we're eating yeah. that putting us at risk, right? Yeah. So I would love to hear more, uh, you know, we, after you experiment with it. And, yeah. and, and really, like, real-life ex- examples, uh, real-life cases are, yeah. are what's going to move the needle. What's going to do it, yeah. yeah. Well, we'll put the links to your products in there. So people listening, please go go try this and see because fertility is expensive. Yep. And it's it's, you know, breaks people's hearts. Yeah. And and yet the 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 body was meant to reproduce. So if there's an issue where the body's not able to reproduce, then we got to fix that. And it's coming back to a molecule that's as innate in our body as our blood right. is is a ketone. And yet the world half the world is not even getting the ketones. Disclaimer though, it does not taste like soda. It does not taste like <laughs> juice. Right? We yeah. are working on the flavor, yeah. but know this. The reason why we are surviving and thriving is because when people take it, they feel the subjective yeah. difference. And regardless of the taste, that like people are taking it for the benefit. Yeah. And what's very, very funny is that most people that have been taking it long term now, they're like, actually, I don't mind the taste. Yeah, you get used to it. Yeah, yeah that I can totally see that. Yeah, you know what I always say when you like take a shot of something that's healthy and you're like, oh, I hate that. I'm never going to do that. I always think, well, what did you do in college when you're at a bar and like they gave you like a exactly you, know, a you take it for the effect? Yeah, like you didn't just you didn't go, oh, I don't like that. You're like, give it to me. I want to <laughs> feel good. I want the effect of it. So that's, just that's look great, at it. That's a great example. That's look, a great analogy. Yeah, it's like, it like, what that. did you think when you were? Right. You know, what were you thinking? What would you tell your 21 year old self? Yeah. So. so now, now we're talking about therapeutic users. Yes. Right? Because yes. Thank you, you know, Herman. like like what we're saying. Everything that uses your brain, every activity that uses your brain, you can benefit from having ketones in your body. I don't care whether you get your ketones from mm. ketogenic diet or fasting or exogenous ketones. As long as you have the molecule in your body, yeah. you will, granted, you need to get at least above one millimolar right. in your blood for your blood ketones. Okay, wait. Why? Because the, the measurement people in my community geek it's out 0. on. It's 0.5. 0.5. Yeah. But everybody's like, well more is better. Okay, great, great conversation. Okay, so um, the definition of ketosis is anything above 0.5, right? Okay. But for therapeutic users, 
a lot of studies shown around one millimolar. Anything above one, you start to see effect oh, already. Okay. For performance, we're looking at above two millimolar. Oh, wow. Okay, above okay. two millimolar, but also not meant to subsidize or replace glucose. It's meant to be used together so that you, you have the hybrid fuel system. And, right. and yeah, I know you want to talk about this, about high sugar, high, high ketone levels. Right. We can go into that later. But most importantly, when we talk about the threshold, um, we want to make sure that it's in the optimal level. Like I said before, yeah, right? Metabolism like is in the Goldilocks zone. Yes. And the reason why I tell you more is not better is that we have seen this in study. And this I can say confidently. In the military study, we dose them via weight match dose. So we do 0.5 grams per kilogram of body weight, which means some of these guys are big. They're like 80, 90 kilograms people. Right. So you are getting ketone esters. That, that study we're using ketone esters. They're getting about 40, 50 grams of ketone esters. Wow. And one disadvantage of ketone ester, the advantage of ketone ester is that it can spike your blood ketone levels between three to five millimolar. Oh, quite high, okay. quite quickly. Ketone IQ is not ketone ester. Ketone ester is a BHB molecule bound with butane diol in an ester oh. form. So that's why it's called ketone ester. What we have found is that because it spikes it too high, it also increases blood acidity. It lowers blood pH okay. because BHB is beta-hydroxybutyric acid and it does cause your blood to be acidic. why the body so, does that. So over time, uh, when you spike it too quickly in a short amount of time, you increase your cardiorespiratory stress biomarkers, your heart rate, mm. your breathing rate, because you're trying to expel the mm. carbon dioxide to neutralize it. But most importantly, because half of it is butane diol and half of it is BHB, the BHB goes straight into your blood, which means it's dose dependent. So the more you drink, the higher your BHB will go. Okay. So initially we thought the more the better, right? The right. higher the better. No. So some of these people were having blood BHB of 6, 7, 8 millimolar, and they start to not feel well. They just feel unwell in general, just wanting to puke and just your body trying to expel it because it's just too much. And okay. It's the, same, going, yeah. it's, it's the same when you overdose on glucose. Right. right? When you have too high too glucose, much, you just yeah. don't feel well. It just generally you feel unwell. And I think this is the case with ketones as well. Even though it's good for you, even though it's an energy source, but if you're not using it, it's just sitting around, your body will try its best to balance it out in, in homeostasis and into this, this optimal zone. So what it, this actually leads me to a unique question that I've seen with just a handful of people, which they feel worse in ketosis mm -hmm. than not in ketosis. Mm -hmm. And my brain was always like, okay, the ketones are going, they're going to repair something. So what needs to be repaired in the body? Yeah. But what based off of what you just said, even if somebody's at like 0 0.7, 0 0.8, is it possible that that could be too many ketones? Um, from what I have seen on the overdosing, it's usually five and above, right? Okay, so if big. they're on around 0 0.8, 0 0.7 and not feeling well, chances are, I think they are just doing it too quickly, the adaptation period, they're not used to it, uh, and therefore they're going through the keto flu. So right. it could be something to do with the electrolytes, something to do with the hydration, because when they lose glycogen, when they first go on keto diet, they, they shed all the glycogen off. Right. But with glycogen, it also comes with uh, water storage. Right. 
So it could be that. Do you find that, do you ever see the keto flu with exogenous ketones? Because I I don't hear about the keto flu very much anymore. But I, like I said, I am seeing some unique cases where they go into ketosis and they, you know, my, my theory is you go in, you go out, you go in, you go out. And so in these cases, we're doing that for a very long period of time, but they're still not feeling well in the ketogenic state. Mm. So, but that would fall under the category, category of a keto flu. So if I gave that person, if I fed that person, yeah. fed them breakfast. That's, that's one. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Fed them breakfast. And then gave them exogenous ketones so that they get the benefit. Would there be a different response? That's the perfect way to find out whether if this person is feeling unwell because, yeah, if it's too high ketone levels Uh, or if it's ketone flu. Because with exogenous ketones, it's predictable. You know you will get the ketone levels above one or close to one. If they're still feeling unwell, then it could be the ketones. But if they're feeling good... Then the ketone is doing the work, but they're not going through any electrolyte um, uh, problems. Changes. Okay. This leads me to my next question, which is, could you, and you know, I'm, I'm not advocating for not fasting because I think there's so many therapeutic oh, yeah. benefits. But, but let's say that everybody decided, I don't want to fast anymore, and they just wanted to eat again. Um, and we gave everybody a bunch of exogenous ketones. Are we getting the same benefit when we take an exogenous ketone as compared to the in, endogenous ketone? Are they are they the same benefit? That's a great question, Mindy. Um, and this is a question that I've been asked a lot because a lot of people are like, oh, that's cheating. You know, I'm not achieving what I'm trying to achieve with keto diet. So when you look at the molecule, like I said, it's going to be the same molecule. And therefore, if you're looking at any signaling effect or any energetics point of view, it's still going to be the same. You're still getting the energy from ketones. You're still getting the preferential treatment in different organs with ketones. And you're still getting all the signaling benefits from ketones. However, whenever you're doing keto diet for a specific reason, mm. um, you may not be able to achieve that with exogenous ketones. And I'll tell you certain situations here. If you are specifically aiming for lowered glucose level and lowered insulin level, yeah. You can't get that with right. exogenous ketones. Even though ketone, exogenous ketones can acutely decrease blood glucose level, it does not have any effect on insulin, right? So oh, if you're still on a okay. normal diet, you are still going to be regulating the blood glucose, uh, the glucose you're getting from the carb intake as well as your insulin. That's because so the body, by the way, that's because the body's so smart. Yeah. That the body's like, I don't need to make insulin. Right. Because this came from the outside. Right. And then that's you get so epilepsy. Smart treatments with keto diet, I don't think exogenous ketones would be as efficient because you need to be, that's another thing in terms of prolonged period in ketosis. Because when you're on exogenous ketones, you need to top up regularly to be in the ketotic state in in a more consistent way. Whereas ketogenic diet, you don't need to think about it. You don't need to worry about it. If you want to get into a deeper ketosis, you want to reach a higher blood ketone level, then exogenous ketone could help augment that. Right. But it may not help you achieve whatever you're trying to achieve by getting on a keto diet or fasting. Because if you say fasting to lose weight, right, Mm. you 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 are emphasizing on lowered calorie intake, lowered insulin and all of that. It's very unique to fasting. 
So I want people to think about ketones not just as a magic molecule. Mm. Think about it as a tool that's helping you to achieve what you want to achieve. If you're fasting to lose weight, but because ketones, exogenous ketones have appetite suppression effect and it gives you the focus to augment your fast, go do it. Right. Right. Don't not fast just because you can get the benefit briefly just from this. You can't sit on your couch and eat a bunch of pizza and ice cream and drink ketones. Correct. It's not a magic molecule, right? You still need to do that foundational work. You've, you know, you want to lose weight, you still need to go exercise and all of that. The way I look at it is that when the body makes endogenous ketones, it's making it because it's burning fat. Mm -hmm. So if you're trying to lose weight, to your point, you just drinking a bottle of ketone IQ is not going to be like, oh my God, now I'm I'm all of a sudden losing and, weight. And it is it is calories. It is calories. Right? But what it is doing is it's killing hunger. Yes. And what it is doing, we just discovered, or I just discovered, is it's lowering blood sugar. So it is a part, like you said, it's of a, a tool. tool to be able to put you on your weight loss journey. Correct. It is not the thing, that it's not like a, the thing that's going to make you lose weight. And just a sneak peek, currently I'm talking to a researcher from UBC as well, who looked at the blood sh- uh, sugar lowering effect. Uh, I'm talking to another uh, researcher within the same university. Uh, we're looking at running a study specifically on appetite suppression, on hunger yeah. hormones, on ghrelin. Yeah. And there was a study that showed that butane diol specifically, which is the raw ingredient in ketone IQ, increased leptin sensitizing um, oh uh, uh, effect in the brain, which Crazy. means you feel more sati- uh, you, you, you can have higher satiety compared to placebo. And we're looking at calorie intake as well. Mm-hmm. So when that study you know, published, it's going to be huge because then now people can confidently say, hey, I'm taking exogenous ketones not as a replacement of my lifestyle, right. of my keto diet or of my fasting lifestyle, but I'm using it as a tool to really augment it, make my fast easier because I don't have to think about food all the time. Right. I get the focus I need. I, I get productive throughout the day. Yeah. And same thing when I'm on ketogenic diet. I feel like you know I'm not getting in deep enough ketosis, so I'm augmenting with exogenous ketone. Yep. Or I am um, going through this this really difficult adaptation period. I'm taking ketone IQ so that I can upregulate the enzymes needed to prime my body yep. to be able to metabolize ketone yeah. better. Well, I'll tell you, like, I'll use myself as an example. Uh, yesterday I had a really long day and I didn't get enough food in me. I woke up, I was a little hungry. I was like, okay, what are you going to do? You know, I have an interview here with you. I've got one in a couple hours. I'm like, what am I going to do? Am I going to eat? Am I going to not eat? And then we we took a shot of keto <laughs> ketone IQ. I'm not hungry anymore. I don't so, even think about it. And now, then after this, Kelsey and I, we're going to go work out and film some contents. And I'm definitely going to take another shot, but I'm not hungry. I'm not thinking about food. Yeah. It's really cool because it does turn off that hunger hormone. So it's it's quite impressive. And the interesting thing as well, um, sorry to cut you off. Yeah, but, no. Um, is that while it turns off the hunger um, sensation and it keep, keeps you satiated, um, in a study that looked at recovery, when people are exercising, mm. they increase the calorie intake. The, like they, the, the participants, the mm. cyclists were given food at libitum so they can eat whatever they want, however much they want. But because they're exercising, they are actually increasing their calorie intake, but also corresponding to that, they increase their performance 
by 15% in terms of work output after three weeks using after using ketones, carbs, and protein as That's recovery. Crazy. Wow. So the way I like to describe ketone is an adaptive fuel. Yeah. It upregulates and downregulates certain things in your body depending on what you're doing. Would you take it every day or you just... I take just, it every day. Yeah. And do you, would, do you do it around, intentionally like I'm going to yeah. go work out? Yeah, or, correct. Hey, I'm going to be on a podcast. So it's it's a performance enhancing some, tool. Some people take it on a... Just in the morning, just yeah. just as a ritual kind of thing. I prefer to take it on a very intentional... Yeah. Okay, I'm going on a podcast. I'm going to take this. I am going to bed. I'm going to take this. I'm going to go work out. I'm going to take this. Yeah. So that for me has worked. But I also know a lot of people on our team themselves, they just take it one shot in yeah. the morning just to keep themselves productive. Yeah. Um, and that's why it's very interesting because you can use it as pre-workout and before bed. Yeah. So, okay, I got to summarize this. Um, we've talked about it potentially helping with with infertility because of the denseness of the mitochondria and the eggs. So everybody go try that. Um, we've talked about it for depression because of its what it does in the hippocampus. We've talked about it for lowering blood sugar um, post-meal. So we can put weight loss, you know, gosh, weight loss is all over this conversation, whether people realize it or not. We've talked about it taking down hunger. We've talked about it helping with sleep so you don't create gluconeogenesis at 2 in the morning. Uh, performance when, you are, when you're actually going to work out, upregulating these ketones. Anything I'm missing? Uh, brain health. Brain health. Okay. Yeah, we talked about um, Alzheimer's, BDNF. brain injury, BDNF, and how ketones are actually taken up by the brain to create the fatty acids needed for structural da- uh, structural repair right. of the brain. Um, yeah, and then and then that's very important for Alzheimer's, dementia, or all, all these neurodegenerative diseases. Um, those are the areas we talked about. And then we oh, talked the cardiovascular about system. Cardiovascular. That was new. You, ch- you taught me that today. Yeah. So, and, and what I love, and, and I hope people are gathering this, and, the, and this is my jam just in life, is bringing two people that are passionate about similar things together and going, hey, how does your work and my work yeah. come together so that humanity can win? Yeah, let's change the world. Yes, exactly. So, okay, I have to finish on this comment. These, there are these questions. Um, this is my theme for the for the year is self love. So we're gonna take it away from ketones, although I do know that ketones are a form of self love. So, so the challenge is for me to take it back into ketones, right? Yeah, right. right. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying we got you, you can't. You're, you can answer this without the the letter K yeah. coming out of we your mouth. The, 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 your audience should have a drinking game. Every time we say ketones, <laughs> they have a shot. Oh I'm sure they'll be floored oh, by the end of this talk. Yeah, or they're gonna be like so like buzzing that they're not gonna they're not they didn't stick with the podcast they probably went out yeah. went, worked out yeah uh do you have a self-love practice and uh the second part of that question is what do you think your superpower is that you bring to the world oh boy i okay let's let's go to the first part first i think self-love i always thought i i have self-love right and i grew up like I said, my family side has high prevalence of chronic diseases. So my mom's side has, has really high prevalence of obesity. Mm. And I grew up overweight all my life. Mm. And this is a story that I share a lot with Ben yeah. Azadi because he has gone yeah, through he's got a, very a, similar, huge, yeah. a huge weight loss journey. Yeah. So I used to hate how I look. And I worked out and worked out and improved how I look because I hated what I was mm. or how I looked before. Mm. But now, 
it's just a simple switch of perspective. Mm. I work out and I want to be healthy because I love myself. Mm. Because I was given this body, this metabolism, this family, this genetic, and there's only one of me. Yeah. So why not love myself enough to make a change? Yeah. Why not love myself enough to do something good for my own body? Wow. And I think that's from a physical point of view. Yeah. And mentally, I always thought I loved myself as well, but then mm. I realized I didn't. Until two years ago, because growing up in Asia, your self worth is most often than not tied to materialistic stuff. Mm. Your parents would love you more if you go to a better university, wow. if you get straight A's, if you become a doctor, an engineer, a lawyer. That's pressure. Good paying job, and I'm sure a lot of people who grow up in Asia, even here in America, you know, some families they can relate to this, yeah. right? The tiger mom, yeah. right? And I know my mom wants the best for me and my parents want the best for me. But at the same time, that became my foundation, mm. right? So I tie my self-worth to all of these things, but then I never love me for being me. Mm. So I started meditation um, two years ago now, um, although I could be more consistent with it nowadays. Um, and... It really took me out of that inside view to a third person point of view, if you would. Mm. I'm able to zoom out mm -hmm. and look at that and realize that. And mm -hmm. just realizing that, I think the first time I meditated, I cried. Oh. Because it was, it was a guided meditation. It says, put your hand on your heart, love yourself and be compassionate with yourself. Mm. And then that was when I realized I never did. I loved my accomplishments. I loved where I got in life. Mm. I loved what I am in mm. terms of I'm a scientist, I'm an educator, I'm a science communicator. I never loved Lat Mansour. Mm. So oh, I forgot about it. Wow. And that was when I realized, and that's when everything else does not matter. Not money, not fame. Agreed. It's what I do, what I'm passionate about. And when I leave this world, I ask myself, I always ask myself, if I die tomorrow, will I have any regrets? And this, and the goal is always to say no. Mm. That you've done everything you could mm. and full of love for yourself and for the people around you. Yeah. So. Oh my, that's, that's the that, best one. that was like the best answer I've been the, given all the, season. The I mean, there's been some good answers. Okay. Does this, 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 this fit for the you, inaugural in-person yes. interview? How you get, tell me what, uh, now tell me what your superpower is. I think I just found it. <laughs> <laughs> my superpower, I think my superpower is something that I, I really cherish is the ability to connect with people. Yeah. Because when I was overweight, I was always that friend that people can count on, but not that friend when mm. when people mm. want to have fun with, mm. or when when you know I'm that that overweight friend friend who's like, oh, you know, Lat's good with his homework. Let's talk to him when we need him, yeah. like academically, you know, because he's smarter. Mm. But when it's like, oh, he's not the cool friend, you know, he's not the cool guy. Um, but that helped me develop my personality. Uh -huh. That helped me to come out of my shell, be an extrovert, and that helped me really put an effort into how do I connect with people? Mm. How do I remember? First and, first and foremost, always remember the person's name. Yes. 
Very People important. always appreciate that. Yeah. And then you think about what are the common things that you can connect with, mm-hmm. what, that you can talk about. Mm-hmm. I'm always conscious of that and intentional when it comes yeah. to that. And then when you connect, everything else is magic. Yeah, agreed. I think that for the worse or for the better, that was not the most, you know, some of the experience were not the sweetest, mm. but the lessons nonetheless were something that I can take with me for the rest of my yeah. life and I will forever cherish it. Yeah. That was the most beautiful, <laughs> it was literally the most beautiful answer um, that I've been given and, and is at the heart of why I do what I, I do because we have a culture that looks at skinny, beautiful, and says that's successful cars you drive, that's what we're all going for. And we lose sight of the, mo- the bumps along the path and the internal conversations we have with ourselves and how we start to orchestrate a whole, our whole life around those internal conversations. Yeah. So what I hope everybody gathers from what you just said is you had some really rough moments and you changed the internal conversation yeah. and that changed your life. Yeah. And no matter what kind of experience you have, bad or good, it's still part of you and it's what makes you you now. Yeah. And what matters is now. Yes. Not the past, not the future. It's now. What you do now matters most. Yeah. So focus on you now. Whatever you can do now, just do it for yourself, for your people that love you, for for people who are around you, and even for people who do not love you. Yeah. Prove them wrong. One of my favorite quotes, I'm a big quote fan, is don't, don't think about what the world needs. Think about what lights you up because what the world needs is more people that are lit up. And that's... That's the that's the goal to me. That's what we're working towards. So how do people find you, Lat? This was just incredible. People can find me at Lat Manso, L-A-T-T-M-A-N-S-O-R on all social media platform and also HVMM Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all, all podcast platforms as well as YouTube. And yeah, send me messages. I, I do answer them and comments and happy to share yeah and test everything we talked about out and then give us both feedback yes amazing appreciate it thank you incredible thank you so much for joining me in today's episode i love bringing thoughtful discussions about all things health to you if you enjoyed it we'd love to know about it so please leave us a review share it with your friends and let me know what your biggest takeaway is